This podcast is a proud member of the Paranormality Podcast Network. Does the present intrude on the past? The moment moves upon the grave of what came before, an architecture of reality built with half-remembered decay of old. How many ruins lost in the forgotten fog? What little we cling to passed from one mouth to the next distorted and slanderized. Are these tales of the past meant to teach us, warn of a repeating future predicated on the lessons of the past? Or does the veil of myth lift its skirt from time to time, blowing away the unreal replaced by the all-too-real? Let us step into the once upon a time where things go bump in the night and tales meant to scare children leave us in a cold sweat breaking the glass of her bedroom window. In episode two, Irish folklore will wander into these woods. I'm Rob Pasercha and joining me are my co-hosts, Devin Shepard and David B. Jacobs. And we are Cadaver Dogs. How's it going today, guys? Hey, so good to be here again. This is Devin Shepard. I'm a writer, director, and producer most recently, I have produced A Nightmare Wakes, which you can now watch on Shudder, as well as directed the sci-fi horror podcast Cryptids, where you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And this is David B. Jacobs. I'm a writer, director, script supervisor, and horror addict. If you're listening to this when it first drops, my slasher short, One Last Call, written and produced by our own Devin Shepard, will be available this weekend through the Crimson Screen Film Festival. So check that out. We'll post links on our social media. And once again, Rob Basercha here. I am the owner and uh, producer in Whimsy Productions, LLC. Uh, I also work for Local 52 as a grip. And, uh, you know, these are my buddies. And we talk horror all day, every day. And uh, record just a little bit of it to share with you folks at home. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cadaver Dogs Pod, and tell us what horror films you'd like us to sink our teeth into next. So to kick us off today, we have two films from two separate decades that are really interesting, and you guessed it, the linkage is Irish folklore. So our first film, Devin Shepard, why don't you get us started? Yes. I'm so excited to introduce this film. Um, it was a favorite of mine. It's called The Hollow, directed by Corin Hardy. This was released in 2015. It is an Irish film. A quick summary. Claire, her husband Adam, and their baby son Finn moved to Ireland. Adam is a conservationist specializing in fungal life. He's sent to Ireland to study in a forest recently sold by the Irish government to a British company. The family learns that they are unwelcome when they begin to be terrorized by who they assume is their neighbor only to find out that it is a race of ancient Irish creatures who are out to steal their precious son. Wow, dude. That's a great summary. You know, now I kind of want to watch <laughs> this movie. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think about this movie? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Like, what's your initial impression? I gave mine away. I'm so sorry. I love this film. And I know, <laughs> but this was a second time for, for me, second watch for me. This was a first for you both, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it as good the second time? I yeah, I I found it great the second time. I'm so curious if you guys liked it the first time. I was really into it. 
it's it's a good movie for anyone who's really into practical effects. Uh, they make a point to use a lot of practical effects. I think they combine with CG, but the CG is specifically to enhance the effects that are just freaking amazing and beautiful. The cinematography is gorgeous. Like, it, it, it's just a great movie to look at. Yeah, yeah. And I think they had some stop motion in there, too, with the special effects, no? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. That makes sense. That'd be pretty interesting. I'm a big fan of stop motion. Uh, I got a different from you guys. I got kind of a love-hate relationship with this movie because I can see the inklings of something really cool and really interesting. But to me, it's like the effects are so good, but the structure, pacing, and the characters are just like not quite there. And there's a lot of thematic elements that almost enter into this really interesting realm, but then they just fall short. I'm like, why don't you guys just like commit to it? That and this this was a question I wanted to ask you guys because um it was both your first time seeing it. Did you ever suspect that it was actually Colum terrorizing the family? Because we don't see the full creatures until around the forty five minute mark, but we do see like the outline and the glowing eyes, I think about like twenty minutes, half an hour in. Um, but not like we don't that doesn't necessarily mean if it's like Colum or somebody else. Um but did you guys ever think it was anything but these fairies? Not first. No. <laughs> it's a horror movie. Yeah, and that might be ultimately the downfall of this film is that they set it up for um, these. All these characters do is they think it's their neighbor. It's they think it's their neighbor, but we, the audience, never suspect that it's the neighbor, and that shows like a disconnect between us and the characters. We just didn't understand them. We didn't understand these characters. We didn't learn anything about them before they started being terrorized. You know. I yeah. do think it's important to remember also, though, that Rob and I both went into this movie knowing that it was about fairies since that's why we're talking about it so well i mean <laughs> I, honestly i went mostly blind all all you guys told me was irish folktale i didn't look up any info on this film at all and then you were telling me it has good special effects which i, I didn't know where that came from like when i saw that they were like tree people um which by the way the tree people really friggin' cool yeah. They're not really tree people, though. They don't live in trees. They live in the other world. Well, I mean, they're they're made out of, like, bark. That's what I mean by, like, tree people. They're made out of, like, moss, bark, and, like, fungus. They're like plants. That's why There I'm is a heavy tree fungus people. stuff. Yeah, it's definitely fungus. I mean, that was a huge part of this, right? I think one of my favorite things about this movie and why I like it so much is its attention to detail and how much it does take from Irish folklore. But I think... There are so many little things in this and really such like great attention to detail that makes me love this film. I think the it was like one of those greatest openings where they give you so much information in like five minutes while the credits are still rolling. But we start off with what's the very first shot? Uh, the tree being uprooted from the ground where it's just a slow push into the roots of this tree that has fallen over or what looks like it has been uprooted. And then we immediately cut to these, this family coming overseas and then we have them driving and on, through the radio, we hear about um, the Ireland selling off the land. And it's such a good opening sequence that gives us so much background of like, hey, this is about imperialism. I get that. Yeah, there, there is kind of like this weird like ecocentricism going on. But I, I think it's an idea that the writer director went in really wanting to explore and then the depth of it is basically that first scene and the last scene when we see the loggers move in and take down the forest and the fungus is on the trees. And I think we're supposed to leave that scene at the end with the fungus on the logs as uh, it's going to infect the population now. It's going to spread. But I'm like, no, it's just going to go into a wood chipper and destroy it. That's it. 
They 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 just beat they just beat them. Just to explain for people who haven't seen the movie, uh, throughout the movie there is a fungus that they compare to. I forget the name of the fungus on ants, uh, but it it it's basically a zombie fungus that transforms. If if it gets on you, then it will sort of transform you into one of the fairies over time. Yeah, it's like uh, that video game, The Last of Us, I think it's called, where the fungus yeah. uh, takes over your brain. It's the same. Yeah. It's basically the same thing, except it turns you They're into like a both fairy. both based on the same real-world fungus that infects ants, um, which you may have heard of, zombie ants. That's a real thing. Yes. So creepy. I love it. And I think like that, this this to me really like checks the box of like what a horror film should be and what a like horror film with a message should be is that it chose this zombie fungus this zombie um infection as an invader right and the whole theme of the film is about um imperialism and, and the british invading ireland and um yes and it it really is shown through this fungus of it's invading um the family it's invading the life and then it eventually invades your body like every single thing that it can take over and take control of it does and i think like that's so cool and horrifying and i think the way yeah. that the the writer director chose to sh- to show that theme was perfect that is interesting how it comes full it's circle now that you manage great it. Like, way of explaining it yeah yeah as the characters invade the forest the forest in turn invades them it even goes into their family and invades them by replacing <laughs> their baby with a changeling exactly yeah and i thought i read this somewhere and i'm so sorry i don't remember where it was but um Something that fairies do and they talk about in Irish folklore is that the the magic the fairies have is actually they invade anything with life. So that can be anything from um, the wood that we see, you know, the living trees, but also it invades like the beams of the house because that used to be living. And then lore is that the fairies also invade milk because it used to be living and like anything that was once alive, it can take over. And I read that, um, you know, what is more emblematic of life than a newborn child yes creepy the changeling thing is really interesting and there's actually a lot of really fascinating background on the changeling myth it's not unique to ireland it's it's very heavily associated with ireland because they really dig into their changeling myth but there are changeling myths all over the world they have them in germany they have them in arabic folklore uh, there's a changeling movie under the shadow as well, um, and it's all just these mythical creatures uh, replacing your child with one of them. But it also has a strange historical relation because people remember people really believe these folklores throughout history, and the changeling myth likely arose uh, because of children with disabilities. That is so dark. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if if your child is acting weird, then that doesn't mean, oh, so they have a disability. It's not a big deal. They can still lead a great life. Um, back then, before there was much knowledge about it, people would say, oh, your child's been replaced with a fairy. You should kill it, and maybe your baby will come back to you. Right. It's not even your kid. Yeah. And it was just used That's to cool. justify infant, infanticide. How do you pronounce that? Infanticide? Infanticide. Infan- um, infanticide. Yeah. It was used to justify infanticide for centuries, millennia. Like, this is a myth with a body count. God, that's dumb. On the flip side, though, it was also used because, remember, 
infant mortality rate used to be really high. And it would also just be used to comfort women who lost their babies or men who lost their babies, hmm. um, saying, well, it was a changeling, so your child is still alive somewhere. We're just comforting them. It's still horrible. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of infanticide, how harrowing was that scene where he was about to poke his baby in the head? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think they did a really great job throughout this film of showing a father's love for his child and showing that relationship because, I mean, up until the end, you know, he made sure that his child survived, which I think is also referencing the themes again, where you have the Irish wanting their generations to live on, wanting their, um, sorry, I forgot the word. Descendants? Legacy? Legacy. The Irish wanting their legacy to move forward, you know, they were being brutally murdered and having people like physically take away their history. Um, I know a lot of this is about um, Christianity coming over into Ireland. Um, like their religion was straight up being erased. And what else do they want but to have their children live on and live on and tell these stories? Um, so I thought that was so beautiful of having the father make sure that like his story lives on through his that son. That is interesting. Yeah, yes, especially since there was a Irish. second... There was a second coming of that uh, same kind of purging of Irish people when the um, Protestants came over and tried to eradicate the Catholics in the area also. So there were two waves of kind of like this. More than that. There was constant, just consistently attempts to eradicate them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But there were two ways of like religious uh, eradication. um, In that one one was against the pagan relations and one was against the Catholic relations afterwards during the uh, English. Not so much the Catholic one. Uh, no, the Catholic one was real at the time of, like, Cromwell. No, no, no. I mean, the Catholics erasing the pagan tradition, that wasn't so much. Uh, St. Patrick was, in in my research, I might have missed something. Uh, it seems like St. Patrick was really nice to them. And they adopted Catholicism, not because he forced them to, but because he was so freaking nice. And they were like, oh, yeah, what's this <laughs> thing you're telling us about? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if all that's true, man. I think there's a lot of infighting between the Saxons and the Danes at the time and all kinds of things going on. The Saxons, I think, were later. And the pagan mythology was largely mixed into their interpretation of Catholicism. It's important to note when we talk about the Irish mythology later that all Irish mythology is only known through the secondhand sources of Christians adapting it. Oh, that's uh, interesting. For instance, in in the mythology, it says that the uh, Milesians, who are considered to be the Irish people, uh, came from the Israelites in their exodus of Egypt, mm. which is like, well, that obviously wasn't in there before the Catholics arrived here because that makes no sense. Wait, wait. So, <laughs> yeah. David, does this have to do then, because you did just mention that the lead, Adam, is not Irish, but yet he's the one to, like, continue on these tales, right? Or his family. He's English. Right, yeah, right. Um, and so it goes with what you were just saying is that, you know, these tales are told through people who aren't the Irish folk. Right. Oh, yeah. I think it's so important to the reading of this movie to remember that the main couple are English invaders, essentially. They are not even the Irish people. They are this foreign force from the country that has most oppressed the Irish people throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the the native fairies are going to fight back and mm-hmm. try and drive them out of there. So what do you think Colin recognize, re- represents in this film? Um if the fairies are like the ancient people of Ireland, who 
who is Colin? I think that's kind of where the message of this film gets a little like blurred. I, I don't think there's a clear line um, throughout what stance this film takes on. You know, I think even with the ecocentricism, it's like a lot of these are themes kind of played with, but it's it's kind of a lot of things are scatterbrained in this. I think even the content itself is a little scatterbrained. It, to me, it, it's representative of like a first time writer director, because not only are we getting, oh, you got monsters in the woods. We also got now the straw dogs issue. And then we got the, oh, now there's like this zombie thing going on. And then this superhero thing at the end, which like almost ruined the movie for me. And then he had a flaming scythe. And I was like, all right, that is pretty cool. You didn't think, yeah, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> was Just cool. like yeah. uh, that oh, shot where he like lifts up the flaming scythe <laughs> and it's like, whoa. It was and amazing. The music is epic. I was, I was like, God, now, now, he, now he can talk <laughs> like one of the things and he fights and he's a superhero. I was like, oh, but he has a flaming scythe. I'm like, all right, it's forgiven. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like multiple things going on and they don't all connect that well like they're all loosely connected but yeah. like there's all this imperialism stuff that i'm talking about rob also touched on that there are these ecological themes of the sort of progress invading the nature and there's mm-hmm. a lot of messages with that throughout the movie like she fights them with the flash of her camera and the fairies at one point invade his car and are destroying this piece of technology oh yeah um mm. There's a lot of technology versus nature going on in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. I wish they kind of went more with that. He kind of it kind of ties into the imperialist angles because it's a more technologically advanced people going after people who are more rooted in their nature, who are more rural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely that's one of the uh, angles this film is going in. Let's pause right here to hear about another creepy podcast on the Paranormality Network, and then we'll be right back to talk about our second film. Hey guys, this is Eric and Jessica Carrier, the hosts of the Perryland Paranormal Podcast. If you're looking for a show that explores all things paranormal, with dramatic storytelling, historical research, relevant science, and witness accounts, check out our show online at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com or through your favorite podcast player. Thanks for sticking around, pups. Now it's time to jump into our next movie, which uh, is a lot more lighthearted and has a little (laughs) short little friend dressed in green. So, David, why don't you kick us off with a description of our following film? Absolutely. So, this movie is written and directed by Mark Jones. It stars Jennifer Aniston as Tori in her first film role alongside Warwick Davis as the titular evil Leprechaun. This is a this movie is Leprechaun. It's from 1993. You may have seen it. It's kind of a cult so bad it's good-ish movie. Um, so Tori, Jennifer Aniston's character, moves into a rickety old house and uncovers a mischievous leprechaun trapped by the building's previous Irish owner. The leprechaun immediately begins hunting for a stash of gold, while Tori and a group of painters fight for their lives. That was wow, great. Good description. <laughs> a <Yeah>. group of painters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just painters. It's <laughs> like one of them's like a hot guy who J- J- Tori is like, I'm not gonna stay here. This place is despicable. And then she sees the hot guy and she's like, I'm gonna stay here. Um, that is not why she stays. She doesn't stay just because she saw a hot guy. She stays because she proves that she is a, a modern woman and she can take care of herself. <laughs> that is pretty funny. 
And, and she does. She does take care of herself. She's she basically does. the hero of the movie. Yeah. The, the guy, the hot guy is pretty useless, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. How many times does he shoot the fucking leprechaun? Like, he keeps shooting at it. And we're like, we, we know. <laughs> we have established that he does not die if you shoot it. Can you stop with the guns? Please. Please stop shooting him. <laughs> Why yeah. do you keep shooting him? Wild movie. I like, uh, what do you, do you guys like this movie? I like, I watched it with David drinking, movie. drinking way too much on his couch. And, uh, in that regard, I liked it, but I think if I just watched it sober, I wouldn't have that much fun. What were you drinking, uh, boys? What, what were you drinking? I don't remember. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> whiskey. Okay. Yeah. It was whiskey. There you go. It was not Jameson because we didn't think of that. It should have been Jameson, but we didn't think of that. Yeah. But the whiskey we drank was really good. No, by that point, we'd finished a good whiskey and we're onto the shitty whiskey. Oh my god, you've Where always got shit-faced. Well, I got shit-faced. Rob got shit-faced. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this in the morning like it was a Saturday morning cartoon and it was so joyous and like mm. made me feel like a child again. It, I had so much fun watching this movie again. It does. It has that vibe, you know? So I heard this movie was made actually being geared towards kids primarily. That makes and, so much sense. Sorry, I totally cut you off, Rob. No, but... no, no. That, that's fine. And... uh <laughs> well, it's actually, it kind of went back and forth because initially it was a much darker script and then like Warwick Davis came on and he started injecting this like lightheartedness into the character. And then they're like, oh, let's just take it and make it for like kids in the vein of like the Goonies or, or even like Critters. Critters is almost like a kid's movie. Yeah, that's really interesting because the director actually has a background in uh, comedic cartoon television. I think he did like Mr. Magoo oh. and he did some Scooby-Doo TV, really? um, which makes sense to what you were saying, Rob, I think like if they hired him to to make this comedic horror film for kids. Well, the craziest part of this actually is that when they showed the studio the thing they made that was a lot sillier than what they had had written and prepared, the studio said, make it a horror movie again, make it darker again. <laughs> so they went back and they reshot a lot of the gore scenes, which is probably why the gore scenes suck. But... <laughs> Yeah, Except yeah. for the eye part. The eye part is great. The eye part's that gnarly. Oh my god. Yeah, there's actually two eye parts because we got to mention the art part from the hollow, which is like fucking awesome. Remember that when it, <laughs> the hand pops out? That's that might be the coolest scene in the movie when the hand pops out. And it's gonna stick her in the eye. Keeps going back and forth. That's so reminiscent of like uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie. I definitely squealed at the eye scene. and I think it was my favorite part because it was like <laughs> the best gore of the film. Yeah, this movie reminds me of uh, Puppet Master. Never seen it. It's got the same, but you never seen Puppet Master with the drill heads. Oh, okay. Well, it's got it's got a very similar vine, and in the same vein, most of the kills are not bloody till we get to the end, and we get like one good one. Yeah. It, now, in the sequels to Leprechaun, we get way over the top kills. Have you seen them? I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them either. I saw them when I was a little kid. There's a, a friend in need. A friend with weed is a friend in need. He says that to us. That's Ice amazing. Apparently, in a, a like comms and stuff warwick davis likes to get on the table and just like shout out lines and people do lines to him he just does it in character apparently he's really really funny and cool in person <laughs> yeah he's clearly he, he had a blast filming this movie warwick davis is, is so proud of this role which i'm so happy that he's proud of this like cheesy ridiculous role even jennifer aniston has looked when she's talked about it even recently she's been like that movie is how i got friends She's like, this movie watched my career. I mean, and you can tell. Like, I think I love her now, and I, I can tell, like, how she's grown as an actress um, from this film into where she is now. But um, you can tell that she was figuring out comedy and, like, 
how she like started basing her comedic acting through this film. I think she did a great job. Yeah. So what, what do you guys, it's actually kind of funny how similar the ending of these movies are because we get this, um, we're stuck in the house, bad, evil, fairy, Irish folklore guys trying to come in and like destroy us. Uh, how does this tie in with your idea of like imperialism of, um, so we have this uh, character who goes off to Ireland and brings back a leprechaun. That's that's how this movie starts, right? He brings back this leprechaun and uh, he ends up, the leprechaun kills his wife. He ends up trapping it in a crate, <laughs> which is exactly like that. Uh, is it um, Creepshow 2 that happens? I think it's Creepshow 2 is the same plot where this ancient evil is stuck in a crate and someone takes a nail out. That's Creepshow 1. That's Adrian Barbo. This had such creep show vibes. Like that I was thinking creep show this entire movie. <laughs> I think it would have been better if it was like a little shorter and it was a creep show episode. Like this movie, forty five minutes, awesome. Yeah. Well, Rob, it would have been shorter if we didn't have to keep pausing the movie. <laughs> That's true. I oh maybe it's true, probably. I pause movies like twenty times when I watch them and I and I rewind Took us scenes. Two and a half worst. hours to watch this ninety minute movie. While we were talking to your roommates, we were drinking, <laughs> uh, we were bringing up other movies. We we're like, how does this relate to The Hollow? How does this relate to, you know, my love life? It, it's really deep I'm conversation. sorry, Rob, how does Leprechaun relate to your love life? This is an off-the-air conversation, Devin. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, think the, I think the listeners need to know how you date Leprechauns. Well, I wouldn't call them Leprechauns. That's like racist. What? What? That's not what. What's happening? What the fuck? Do you, do you actually date leprechauns? No, I'm concerned. No, leprechauns aren't real, are they? Wink, wink. Did you date Jennifer Aniston? No, I wish I did. I mean, we all for the for the did. record, I definitely did not date Jennifer Aniston yet. Jennifer Aniston, if you are listening to this, Rob would like to ask you out. Could you give us a a, a leprechaun or Irish themed pickup joke, Rob, or pickup line? Well, I don't know. I, I know this green beer is making my teeth green, but if you want to see something else green, come to my apartment. I'll show you the mold in my bathroom. Yeah, you, you totally got me. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's just, I got your lucky charms right here. There you go. That's way better. <laughs> okay, so is it real that this movie was come up with because of the Lucky Charms commercials? I don't know. Because their whole depiction of a leprechaun is really interesting. And I think, like, David, you should get into this uh, with your history of the leprechaun. But I don't think it matches what a leprechaun actually is or, like, said to be in Irish folklore. No, but also... Okay, so leprechauns aren't a big part of Irish folklore. Um, There is some interesting stuff about the original depiction. Uh, They actually don't wear green in the folklore. They wear red. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> which is which blew my mind to find out. I'm like, what the fuck? But yeah, they were red, not green. Um, um, one of the other things is the original one was actually a sea leprechaun. That's based hmm. on. Oh, really weird. Yes. Um, they also did not appear at all in the original mythology. They came much later uh as part of the folklore and oral tradition and they kind of went through a lot of different forms like it's probably one of those myths that would just change a little bit every time someone told it uh so it's hard to say exactly what it is for the most part they are fairies leprechauns are fairies but they're fairies that are solitary and do not socialize with the other fairies um which sets them apart and if you're in 
Ireland and you start talking about leprechauns, then they, they don't they don't care. Like le- <laughs> leprechauns aren't a big deal at all. They largely rose to prominence because of a Disney movie called Darby O'Gill and the Little People in 1959. And that was the leprechaun was assimilated in that and I mean, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if it's offensive or anything like that. But what I understand about it, which could be wrong, but my understanding is it actually kind of helped to combat a lot of the racism against Irish Americans, that it showed Irish people as like, oh, no, they're actually really fun. And a lot of people, Irish people adapted this idea to like, oh, yeah, see, we're fun. We're we're good people. And I mean, you know, positive stereotyping is still stereotyping. Yeah. But it helped to get people off Irish Americans' backs. And it became a really popular myth in America. Yeah. Th- this is a lot more an Irish American myth than it is an Irish myth. Which is interesting. Um, how like this film takes it even a bit further and takes yeah. the American myth and like consumerizes even more possibly yeah. even basing it off the lucky charm cereal box uh, <laughs> another little like quick tidbit that i got from one of the videos that david linked me to was that the gold is actually like post-war gold from uh, another people i think it was the english who were there earlier and i think it was the norsemen the, i don't know was it, the no- it might it might have been the norsemen i forget but the uh, leprechauns are are um guarding it and if you kidnap them in some way, by either like a chokehold or putting them in a bag or whatever, you can get wishes or gold or whatever. And that's the common, that's the main theme that this movie is taking from the leprechaun myth and translating. The shoe cobbling thing is also part of the myth that they they, they did make shoes. That is definitely part of the yes. myth. The four-leaf clover thing in the movie, they use a four-leaf clover as its weakness. That's completely made up. Yeah, that was weird yeah mark jones just said like yeah i just made that up (laughs) really (laughs) does that come from this movie is that where that comes from i think it's was already considered a lucky charm oh but not necessarily like garlic to vampires right right oh that makes sense it's silly but it really works with the movie I just want to go back to what you were saying, Rob, because I this was something I found so interesting as well, um, was this sense of the leprechauns are actually not greedy people, that they actually are protectors of this gold, right? That I think it was the Danes gave them this gold to protect, right? After the Norsemen came. The Danes. Not 100% sure. Not a huge history buff here. We have like a week to research <laughs> this. So, but it, at the end of the day, they were protectors of this gold. Whereas like in the film Leprechaun, it's about more about greed. I mean, I think this is best shown with Jennifer Aniston's character. And I love that she's from LA. Um, no offense to anyone from LA. I'm from that area. But um, <laughs> there is like a sense in, in the turn of the millennium that, you know, they were materialistic. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a there's a stereotype of L.A. that they're a little shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it was uh, this movie was touching on that a lot, um, especially from the greedy themes. Yeah, but she combats that shallow. She's she's a pretty well-developed character. I'd actually argue that the characters in Leprechaun are better developed than the characters in The Hollow. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better developed, like, but less realistic. Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But maybe that's why, because maybe in a world where you set up the film to be comedic, we have a little more leniency towards how well these characters are developed. Whereas, like, yes. such a super realistic world that was The Hollow, there's only so much that we will 
allow. I'm not positive the cops act any less realistic in Leprechaun than they do in The Hollow. In The Hollow, the cop is there just to shoehorn this idea with this monologue of what The Hollow are. Do you know these uh, <laughs> fairy tree people in the woods? Fungus people, if you want to call them that. Whereas in Leprechaun, there's this great scene where Ozzy calls him up. He's like, there's a Leprechaun here. Send the army. Send the Air Force. And they just all start <laughs> burst out laughing at the police. <laughs> that was so good i love this like one line the cop has they like slowly zoom in on him and he like turns around at the end is like in a very deep voice goes oh oh ozzy again oh the leprechauns (laughs) that's a good one i like when the leprechaun's driving the car (laughs) next to the cop car that might be my favorite part of the whole movie okay wait he keeps making these cars (laughs) what well he can make shoes he's just he's a craftsman you know right so he can make cars that makes sense yes He's magic. I don't know. He's so magic. He's a fairy. Um, should I get into the mythological background, all the all the folklore now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to jump in. Go ahead. David, enlighten us. Two quick disclaimers first. Uh, keep in mind, all of this through secondhand sources. We do not have original text for Irish mythology. It was all written down by Christians in like the 1800s. And while I have a PhD in Irish mythology... David was the one to research this, so you're going to have yes, to excuse that's anything second that he gets wrong. Disclaimer. <laughs> I, I've been researching this for a week. I definitely fell into a rabbit hole because I found it all really freaking interesting. I'm, I'm not an expert. You guys can research this yourself if you're interested in learning more. David is Irish, though. Yes, I am Irish-American, although I do not speak for all Irish people, and I don't want to claim that I do. <laughs> I'm also Jewish, which is very unlike Irish people. But that said, what we do know is that uh, Irish mythology was a series of invasions. It's just there are these people, these people arrive and then another people arrive and drive out the previous people. Another people arrive and drive those out. Um, A lot of the various peoples do kind of have uh, fantastical origins and there's something magical to them. It was the Milesians, who are the stand-ins for the Irish, came in and drove out the Tuoho de Danan. Um, which are the magical people that were there before. And what they agreed upon was that the Milesians would get the above ground and the Tuoho Dedanin would go underground or into the other world. As people lost faith in them, they would shrink in size. It, some sources seemed like it was implied they became more magical while being in this other world, which kind mm. of ties into the hollows depiction with the fungus a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes they're also called the ASG, which is, it's just, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so the Twilight Dedanin are the fairies. And it's interesting because they also were invaders at one point. They drove out the fear blog. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you got into this. I got so well, into one it. Of the, uh, one of the things that uh, I saw in one of the uh, articles you sent me also was one of the early depictions of a, a little people, as they call them, was a short little dude who like guarded your wine cellar, this drunk guy. And I thought that would be cool. I really want one of those in my apartment to guard my, uh, my little beer stash collection that isn't really a bar. But if he was there, I would make it a bar. And some people even combine that myth with the leprechaun. That's why it's leprechauns are often shown as being alcoholics, because it, it just mm-hmm. got combined into the same thing. They have a lot of similarities. Does this have any connection to the little green men that I found on my cups in college? Yeah, probably. I think the, <laughs> I think those are ASG. 
Oh, Rob's looking at me like I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> Did you never about. play King's Cup? <laughs> That's just my constant look, though. Just, just like pure confusion. That's just, Rob, what's wrong? Uh, thinking. Duh. Uh. <laughs> That's just how I roll, man. I also found it really interesting how this mythology almost feels like a parallel to actual Irish history, that it is just constant imperialism. Everyone, especially the English, just beating up over this little island in the UK for mm -hmm. centuries upon centuries. They had Oliver Cromwell, who Rob mentioned earlier, attempted to genocide the Irish people, essentially. And they only even got independence less than a century ago. Mm -hmm. Northern Ireland, the reason that country exists, uh, those were mostly English people who had settled in Ireland at some point, and they didn't want to leave. England's control. A lot of people in Ireland think that Northern Ireland should unite. But all this conflict also arose. Um, the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, which is essentially a terrorist organization that terrorizes especially the Protestants in Northern Ireland, trying to drive them out. And that made my brain go, oh, that's the hollow. Really? Mm, I, think I think this is really interesting what you're getting into, David. And I touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the hollow, but you're essentially presenting us with a country with so much terrible history, um, so much sad history. And I mean, how do people find happiness and life and like positivity in something that's that's so destructive constantly to their own lives? And it's through the telling of these stories and you made the connection that this folklore really is a reflection on the history um and i think that's that's a really important point to note that like this folklore are more like light-hearted stories that people can tell so that people can tell their dark histories right and i think that's something that's touched on in the hollow like i said the continuing of the stories with the child but i think also in leprechaun they talk about this as well surprisingly um they constantly talk about people telling stories Definitely. like Ozzy telling stories constantly. The leprechaun himself says, I'm a leprechaun over and over and over again. And I was like, why do you keep like saying you're a leprechaun? Like, why do you have to keep saying that? And so his story can keep being told. So people will, once they leave, will be like, I saw a leprechaun. And that way, like, he will, he will live forever because he will forever be a story. I also took him as kind of a metaphor for an Irish immigrant. Which is, I don't know if that's offensive or not, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they're interesting points. I, I have to disagree. I, I think it's, uh, especially with them being a metaphor for an Irish immigrant. But um, it's definitely, there, there is this he metaphor is of an literally immigrant. literally an Irish he, he immigrant. He is, yes. but not <laughs> yet. Well, he's, he's fairy, so it's, it's a little different. But I, I think the idea of like the American dream of coming from another place and coming to America in the pursuit of, you know, money and riches mm. and how it can lead you down a dark path is, I don't know, you can make that argument. I don't, I don't think that's really a theme in the movie. I think that's kind of accidental, but that's an argument to be made. It's accidental, but it's baked into the idea of the leprechaun, I think, and the history of mm -hmm. this creature and how it became more popular in america than it was in ireland um there are a lot of irish americans like in the 1800s i i think half of ireland just immigrated to america wow what? because of the potato famine wow there was there's a potato famine they were starving 
Is that how this um, O'Grady family ended up in like the middle of nowhere in North Dakota? I was so confused. <laughs> I don't think so. I That guy has a really thick and very fake accent. I don't know if it's fake or not. I'm, I'm bad at accents. Um, but that guy has a very thick accent. And I don't think he immigrated here in the 1800s. I think he moved here like a decade ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap things up with the best part of the show, bone reviews. And to explain this process right now, it's a, it's between one and four bones. Zero bones being terrible, don't watch it, hardly a movie. Four bones being an absolute masterpiece. Now we're going to go by bones and bones and a half. So let's start with Devin. I want you to first give me uh, The Hollow and then The Leprechaun. Let's just do it back to back. How many bones do you give each of these movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this. I think The Hollow, I'm just going to give it the full four bones. I think I really love this movie. I keep thinking about it. I keep coming back to it. I recommend it to everybody to watch. Um, thank you for taking my recommendation, you two. That it is a, it is a favorite one of mine. And then uh, Leprechaun... Oh, I, I'm back and forth between two and a half and three. I think I'm more leaning towards three just for Warwick's performance, honestly. Wow. Oh, you're looking at me like, wow. This should no, no, be a no, half no. bone it's movie. Generous. <laughs> I, I think it's very generous. I'm both, definitely both. being generous. Yeah. I've seen so many bad movies recently, which is why I want to be nice to these ones. All right, Davis, give us your ratings. I want to give both of them two and a half bones. Uh, for very different reasons. I, I think they succeed and fail in completely different ways. I mean, a Leprechaun the Failure is kind of part of the fun, but it's hard to take it too seriously, but it's a lot of fun, and I, I really love that movie. But I've also got to be honest with myself that it's, it's, it's no masterpiece. Um, and The Hollow, I really like a lot. I think it has some amazing effects and whatnot. Two and a half is still a good score, right? Yeah, yeah, that means it's good. Two and a half is good. I would say it two is okay. It definitely sounds bad. Uh, yeah, the hollow. Um, yeah, it just has. It's just so pretty. <laughs> wow, wow. So I'm definitely closer to David's. I'm going to give the hollow two and a half stars and say it's good. And uh, Leprechaun, I'm going to give two stars and just say it's okay. I think uh, Leprechaun's like a guilty pleasure. I'll get drunk and watch this movie, but it's not really something I'll really watch in my in my spare time. Uh, as far as camp goes, I'm going to err on. There's a lot better camp if you get into like the 50s uh, Invasion of the Saucermen or even the newer versions of like The Last Skeleton of Cadavera where they purposely go for the camp, I think is a little better. And then The Hollow, it's like I said, there's a lot of things I really like about this movie and I think it's almost great, but it's like, it just makes too many errors in the beginning in terms of structure and character development. So, uh, anything else, guys? Uh, no. I, I had so much fun watching these movies with you two. Um, next time I want to get drunk with you, and next time we should drink Jameson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We should do it. We should, do, uh, we should just do a live watching of, like, Human Centipede 3 or something where we all just get drunk and watch. Oh, my God. That'd be so Just a reaction fun. video. <laughs> Something just really disgusting. Hi, guys. Thank you again for joining us for episode two, Irish Folklore. We are Cadaver Dogs, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.